a few weeks ago when I taught, we were talking about the Holy Spirit, and I ended up getting cut kind of halfway through the message, so this is going to be the second half, and I think that's not a bad thing, because the Holy Spirit's one of those issues I feel like sometimes we don't fully understand, so we're going to continue to look at the Spirit, and last week, we were looking at John chapter 14, And if you guys know what's going on in the story right now, Jesus is about to be crucified. He's about to be taken by the Romans and forced onto a Roman cross. He's about to be crucified for our sins. And the disciples are freaking out because this is the guy they've given three years of their life to. And now he's being taken away. But he says to him, he says, listen, I am not leaving you orphans. I am leaving my Holy Spirit with you. And this Spirit is going to help you. It's going to be your ally, your advocate. It's going to be the one beside you. So last time, we talked about how the Spirit helps us to see Jesus more clearly. And I think that's totally true. The world around us has such a false view of Jesus. Did you know, if you talk to people on the street, um, they've done these surveys where they go around and they ask people, you know, when you think of Christians, what do you think? And people often, the main response they give is, Christians are judgmental, they're hateful, they're all these different things. And that's partly because sometimes as Christians, we fail to really show people who Jesus is. Because a lot of times we're saved and we know the right things to say, but when it comes to dealing with people that we don't like or people that we disagree with, a lot of times we're not using the Holy Spirit, but we're using our flesh. And so when people look at us, they're supposed to see Jesus and they just see our flesh. It happens to me all the time. Literally happened to me the other, just yesterday. Got into an argument with somebody online, no less. And I got a little like sarcastic and mean and totally had to like step, step back. And it's like, oh my goodness. Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to defend what I think is right by God's word, but I'm totally doing it in the flesh. And I'm being rude and mean to people. So the Holy Spirit is here to help us be like Jesus. And that's hard for us because we're like ourselves a lot of the times, if you're like me. Another thing the Holy Spirit does is it teaches us how to love God more dearly. And we talked about that last time too. The Holy Spirit shows us how we can be sensitive and in tune to God and know who God is. So today we're just going to talk about how the Holy Spirit helps us to follow Jesus more nearly, to follow him as close as we can. So... Before we look at the Holy Spirit, I think we should start by kind of asking the question, what is holiness? Because if God's Spirit is holy, and we know in the Bible we're called to be holy, like maybe you don't even understand what does holiness mean. Like maybe for you, you've often just thought of holiness as like being perfect. Like, oh, I've got to be holy. I've got to be like the person who keeps all these commandments, and then I'll be holy. I want to show you guys a video that breaks down the biblical concept of holiness. It's really good. So let's check it out, and then we'll come back after. You've probably heard the word holy before, or at least sang it in a church song once or twice. And for most people, this idea is really just connected to being a morally good person. So God is holy because he's morally perfect. Yeah, that is part of it. But in the Bible, the idea of holiness is even bigger and more rich. What it's really describing is how God is the creative force behind the whole universe. He's the one and only being with the power to make a world full of such beauty and life. And so all these abilities, they make God utterly unique, which is the meaning of the word holy. 
So a helpful way to think about God's holiness is by using the sun as a metaphor. The sun is unique, at least within our solar system, and it's really powerful. It's the source of all this beautiful life on our planet. And so you could say that the sun is holy. And you can actually take this metaphor even further in that the whole area around the sun is also holy. Yeah, because the closer you get to the sun, the more intense it gets. Yeah, exactly. So that very power and goodness that generates all this life is also dangerous. I mean, the sun, if you get too close, will annihilate you. And in the same way, there's this paradox at the heart of God's own holiness. Because if you're impure, his presence is dangerous to you. And not because it's bad, but because it's so good. And so the first time we see this paradox of God's holiness, it's in the story of Moses and the burning bush. So God tells Moses to take off his sandals because he's standing on holy ground. And Moses covers his face in fear, and God says, hey, don't come any closer. It's intense. It's actually that intensity of God's holiness that's explored even more in the stories about Israel's temple, which was the main place where God's holy presence was located. And at the center of the temple was this room called the most holy place. It's the hot spot of God's presence. And whether you're an Israelite living in the land around the temple or a priest working right in the temple, you're in proximity to God's holy presence, which is dangerous. Yeah, this is a problem. So how's it supposed to work? Well, in the Bible, the solution is that you need to become pure. So like being morally pure. Yeah, and that's easy enough to understand. But the Bible spends a lot of time talking about another kind of purity, being ritually pure, which is a state where you separate yourself from anything related to death, like touching things like diseased skin or dead bodies or even certain bodily fluids. All these make you impure. And becoming ritually impure isn't necessarily sinful. What's wrong is waltzing into God's presence when you're in an impure state. And so that's why God gave the Israelites very clear instructions for knowing when they were impure, steps to become pure, so that they could go into the temple again. So that's what the book of Leviticus is about. Right. But it doesn't stop there. This idea keeps developing. So later in the scriptures, we find this really interesting story by a prophet named Isaiah. And he has this crazy vision where he's in the temple and he's right in God's presence. He's totally terrified. Yeah, he knows the rules. He shouldn't even be in there. And he's worried about being destroyed. And then this crazy creature called a seraphim. Yeah, that is a crazy creature. (laughs) Totally. So it flies over with a hot coal. And then it sears Isaiah's lips with the coal and says something really weird. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. So this burning coal somehow makes Isaiah pure. Yeah, it's remarkable because normally if you touch something impure, it transfers its impurity to you. But now here's this new idea where you have this coal, this very holy and pure object, and it touches Isaiah and it transfers its purity to him. Isaiah is not destroyed by God's holiness. He's transformed by it. I mean, the implications of this are just huge, but there's one more development. This time from another prophet, Ezekiel. And he has this vision where he's standing at the temple and he sees water trickling out from it. And then that water turns into a stream and then it grows into a deep river that starts flowing through the desert, leaving this trail of green trees behind it. And then it flows into the Dead Sea, making everything fresh and alive. So instead of becoming pure first and then going into the temple, here God's holiness comes out from the temple, making things pure and bringing them to life. What does it all mean? So we don't know. 
until we meet this man, Jesus. And he claims that he's fulfilling all of these ancient visions, but in surprising new ways. So Jesus, he went around touching people who are impure, people with skin diseases, a a woman with chronic bleeding or dead people. And when he touches them, their impurity should transfer over to Jesus. But instead, Jesus's purity transfers to them and actually heals their bodies. Jesus is like that holy coal in Isaiah's vision. Right. And Jesus claimed that he was the human embodiment of God's own holiness and that he and his followers were now God's temple so that through them, God's holy presence would go out into the world and bring life and healing and hope. And so this is why Jesus described his followers as having streams of living water flowing out of them. So this is our part of the story where we find ourselves now, but... Where's this all heading? So the last pages of the Bible end with a final vision about God's holiness. And this time it's by a guy named John. And in his vision, we see the whole world made completely new. The entire earth has become God's temple. And Ezekiel's river is there, flowing out of God's presence, immersing all of creation, removing all impurity, and bringing everything back to life. Pretty rad, huh? Good stuff. So I don't know if you got all that, um, but I think you guys are mature, and I'm just going to keep throwing these deep things at you because I believe you can handle it, and the more you hear it, the more it's going to sink in, but that's, it's kind of like a Bible college class condensed into a five-minute video. I thought it was rad. So to kind of recap that, just talking about what is holiness, we can then talk about what is the Holy Spirit. Holiness, it represents God's power, his uniqueness, his greatness, like God is set apart. The word holy, don't just think of it as like morally pure. That's a part of it. If you're holy, you are like God's perfect. He doesn't sin. But holiness is so much more than that. God's holiness means he is the most unique, beautiful, powerful, just force in existence and being in person in the universe. He is so special. He, just like our sun in our universe, like it said in the video, is so different from the rest of the planets. And if you get too close to it, you get burned up because it's just so, whew, the sun. Think of God that way. Like, he's so holy. And I love that because when you think about it, like, God is this being of holiness and power and purity. We're sinful people. So when we try to get close to it, just like someone trying to get close to the sun, you get burned up. It's a bad situation for us, but God loves us so much that he dies for us, and then he gives his Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we can get close to him, close enough for like a big bear hug. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but I'm stoked on it. Because of God's Holy Spirit in my heart, I can be near God without getting burned up. I can not have to walk into a temple and get destroyed by my own sin in the presence of God. Even me, a sinner, I can wake up every morning and say, hello, Jesus. Hello, God. Thank you so much that you're with me and that you're for me. So God's Holy Spirit, it's not a force like in Star Wars. It's a person. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I don't pretend to completely understand it, but I know the Bible talks about the Trinity. God is one, three persons, and one God. And that's crazy to me, but I'm so thankful because we see different things that the Trinity does. We see God the Father loving us throughout all of history from Genesis to Revelation. God the Father crafting this plan to save people. We see Jesus 
coming down to earth to fulfill that plan. We see Jesus bridging the gap between us and the Father. We're on one side, the Father's on the other, our sin's in the middle. Jesus lays his own life down like a bridge so that we can cross over to God. And then even just, just so much more, the Holy Spirit doesn't, it's not just God's here, we're here, Jesus is in the middle. Now the Holy Spirit, because of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and now he's in our heart. And we carry the presence and the power of God in our hearts. Um, John chapter 14 is where we are. Look at verse 23 if you're there. I think it's there on the screen too. So Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home in him. You know how, like, I mean, what, what do we say? Ask Jesus into your heart. Yeah, ask Jesus into your heart. And a lot of times we just think of it as, like, he's going to come in, and he's going to put up a certificate on the wall of my heart that says, I'm saved, and then it's just like, oh, like I asked Jesus into my heart and he came in and saved me. But we forget that God desires to come and make a home in our heart. He wants to be in there. You saw in the video, they were talking about the temple. The temple was the place where God's presence used to dwell. Think about that. Like, just think about that. God is out there somewhere in just space. I don't know. Like, he's, he's not on earth. Like, he's just out there and he's holy and he's big and he holds the whole world in his hands. And in the Old Testament, because he loved us so much, he came down and he entered into a building. Like think of a temple like the size of this room. He like would flood into the room and it would be filled with this brightness and holiness. And like you could, you know how sometimes like have you ever gone to a concert and you walk in and like the bass is so like just thumping that you can just feel it in your chest almost? You ever been there, right? So like imagine God's holiness, you walk into the room and it's like, it's so thick, you can cut it with a knife. He's doing that in the Old Testament. It's amazing. It's amazing that he would come down to earth to inhabit a, a room. How more incredible is it that he said, that's not enough. I'm not content with that. I'm not content to just fill a room. I want to fill the hearts of every single person in this room. It's incredible. Jesus wants to make a home in your heart. And he says to you, he says, I'm not content with a church building to be my temple. I want you to be my temple. I want you to carry the spirit of the Lord in you. You're, you guys are portable temples. God makes his heart, or he makes his home in your heart. And do you realize that you carry Jesus everywhere you go? In every conversation you have, whether it's in person or over Snapchat or Instagram or whatever, you carry God's spirit. You represent Jesus into those conversations. Are you representing him? Are you carrying his spirit? Or are there certain situations where you maybe check God's spirit at the door and say, I'm going to go into this place without his spirit because I know this is a place I shouldn't go. God wants to make a home in our hearts. And sometimes I wonder why, because I know my own heart. I'm like, God, why would you make a home in my, in my heart? My heart's nasty. I'm a human. Like, I have problems. I have sins. I am, I'm, I'm an evil person. And you know what? Like, it, it's crazy, because if you, compare, if you compare heaven to our hearts, our own, think of your heart. Think of the problems. Think of the temptations. Think of the de desires. Think of the mistakes. Think of the things that are wrong in your heart. I know I'm thinking about the things that are wrong in mine. 
if you compare heaven to your own human heart, it's like, it's like comparing a trash can to a castle, really, if you think about it. And that's where we are. A lot of times we're in the trash can of our own heart. But you know what? God looks at that trash can of your heart, and he says, I want to make it as beautiful as the finest castle. He says, I want to make a home, and I want to remodel it. I want to change it. It's a, I'm, just, I'm just honestly stoked that God wants to do that. I hope you are too. I hope you're here today and you're not just like, oh yeah, Christian stuff. I've heard this since I was in children's ministry. Like, I'm tripping out right now on how amazing it is that God wants to come into my heart and change it to be more like his. That's incredible. You know, I'll just be honest. I've, I've had the hardest time recently, honestly. It's been a really rough time. Um, you know, ever since I went to New Zealand, which was an amazing trip, um, one of the things that kind of suffered was all the preparation that went into camp, just trying to get the, that together. And you may not pay attention to this, but Calvary Vista, um, we're the host church for camp, which means that uh, for me and for my team, the counselors, we're not just responsible for the 60 of you that are going, we're responsible for 400 people that are going, other kids, other pastors, other counselors. Like, we have to make sure everyone's taken care of. We've got musicians and guest speakers, and it's tough. When I took the job, that was, like, the one thing, like, I didn't really think about. <laughs> like, no one really, like, prepped me for it. Like, oh, yeah, and by the way, you're going to be hosting a camp of 400 people, and we're not going to train you, and no one's going to show you what to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> there was, like, like uh, Trevor O'Keefe, bless him, he sat down with me once and went over an Excel sheet with me uh, for, like, I think like 20 minutes, but that's, that was like the extent of my training. Um, so I've been learning over the years. I've had some good years doing it. This year's been rough. New Zealand took out a big chunk of my time, and my wife, um, who is awesome, and she's here today, and keep praying for her. If you don't know, um, she's been sick for the last three weeks. Don't worry, she's not contagious. You're not gonna get leprosy. Um, but she's, she's, had a, she's had a kidney infection, um, which I can't even imagine. Like, kidneys are a part of my body that I don't really think about because I never really feel them. I'm never like, oh, like, my kidneys feel weird today. I just don't acknowledge that they exist because they're just in my body and they're working. For her, they, they haven't been working the right way, and she's been in a lot of pain. She's gone through doctors and different medications, and thank the Lord, it seems like she's getting better, but it's, it's been a rough three weeks. And I've been working late almost every day, just tons of hours getting ready for camp. And you know what, I've realized, and maybe you've been there too, maybe you've been in that spot with school, with papers, with life. I realized, man, I need the Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit of God to help me. I need, I can't run on fumes. I need to constantly go to Jesus and say, Lord, I need you, I need you, help me. And sometimes when I'm in crisis mode and I'm going through a hard time, I'm like, man, I really need the Lord. But God constantly is reminding me, hey, you need me all the time, not just when things are rough. You need me all the time. The Holy Spirit is the medicine for our sick, tired, weary hearts and minds and souls. You know, as Jesus makes his home in our hearts, as his Holy Spirit makes his home in our hearts, the enemy, Satan, uh, did you guys, do you guys know that, uh, I'm going to teach you guys a, a new way to say Satan. That's a weird thing to learn at church, I know. Um, so Satan isn't a name, uh, just so you know. Uh, it's a title. So in Hebrew, uh, if you want to say Satan, you, you actually would say Hasatan. 
Hasatan. Don't say it three times or he'll appear. That's Beetlejuice. Um, and it just means the enemy. Hasatan, the enemy. Satan means enemy. So Hasatan, the enemy, Satan, he's constantly fighting against what God is trying to do in your life because he's the enemy. He's Hasatan. He's the enemy. He hates you. He's always constantly fighting back. I want to show you guys a picture of, um, this is a place Brooklyn and I went to in Seattle called, um, what was it called? Pike's Place Market, right? Um, it's in a bunch of movies in Seattle. So we went to Pike's Place Market, and it was crazy. Do you guys remember the scene in Aladdin where uh, Jasmine, like, comes out of the palace, like, out of her, like, sheltered, spoiled life and, like, hits the streets for the first time, and she just sees the craziness in the marketplace. Everyone's like, fresh fish, buy this, buy some bread. Like, everyone's, like, shoving food in her face. Like, that's what it was like. Like, literally, like, people, like, like shouting and screaming and, like, trying to, like, sell us things. And it just made me think... You know, a lot of times in your own life, like you've got Pike's Place Market going on in your mind and in your soul. There's all these distractions, all these things shouting for your attention. Look over here. Look over here. Try this. Buy this. Do this. Be this. And really, really, we miss out on Jesus. We miss out on the voice of the Spirit because we allow all of these other voices into our head. It's this competing noise a lot of the time. I don't know if you're with me, but that's how it is for me. Um, there's an old phrase where if you've got two dogs fighting, if you've got two dogs fighting to the death, which one's going to win? And they say it's the one that you feed the most. And if you're like, that's weird. Like, I would never, like, feed one dog and neglect another and then make them fight to the death. Well, this is what that illustration is, so deal with it. Um, it's basically saying, what the Lord? Is that you, Holy Spirit? Okay. Um, Here's the point of that. <laughs> the point of that is you've got two forces fighting in your life. You've got the Holy Spirit and you've got your flesh. Which one are you feeding the most? Are you feeding the Spirit? Are you going to God or are you feeding your flesh? Are you constantly filling your flesh with the things of the world? Now, if you guys have known me for a long time, you know that I'm not one of those people who's like, like, listen, if you wanna be a good Christian, you better listen to K-Love and K-Wave and nothing else for the rest of your life. You better make sure that every movie that you watch has Jesus in it, but not when people stub their toe, <laughs> not when they say his name in vain. Like, you know what I mean? Like, certain, there's people who are like, only watch and listen to and engage with and talk to Christian things and Christian people. And I just, I don't believe that. I think God put us in the world. Obviously, I think don't watch movies and listen to music that are going to stumble you. Like, don't, like, purposely go out and, like, watch the raunchiest, gnarliest movie ever and say, oh, I have liberty in Christ. No, like, those, those things are going to steer you away from the Lord. I, I've known Christians who have done that. My point is, we live in a world where there's non-Christian things all around us. And so, if we're feeling on the things of God, then when we go out and we talk to somebody who's not a Christian and they're swearing left and right, or we turn on the radio and we, we hear a song that is talking about something that's a different worldview than our own, because we have been filling up on the spirit, we're able to look at those things and go, okay, that's a catchy beat, but what she's singing about, man, I don't stand for that. Like that's, that's the opposite of what I'm living my life for. 
that's a catchy beat, but you know what? Like, I know because of Jesus that I don't have to buy in to the message of this song. And you know what? Maybe I'm not going to listen to it because it's gnarly. There is a problem that I have sometimes where when I get convicted that I'm doing something wrong, sometimes I just let it slide. You ever do that? You ever get convicted? Like, you know you're doing something wrong, and you just kind of let it slide. Like, oh, man, I know this is wrong, but I'm just not going to do anything about it. I'm gonna sh- have, you guys, have you guys ever heard Irma Blue? Anybody? Have you? <laughs> She's a 29-year-old Indonesian Dangladoot folk pop singer. <laughs> so I'm doubting you've heard of her. Here she is, Irma Blue. She was bitten, listen, she was bitten by a cobra that was a part of her performance. So somehow in the middle of her performance, she like starts wrangling a snake and the thing bites her. Incredibly, she kept singing for 45 minutes after refusing immediate medical treatment with antivenom. However, sadly, she eventually collapsed and then later died at the hospital. Yeah, that's a bummer. Why are we laughing? (laughs) Someone died, okay? I wasn't trying to be funny, okay? I'm trying to, man, you guys are heartless, okay? Uh, Yeah. There might be a YouTube video if you're really morbid and you want to watch someone get bitten to death. I don't know. Um, Here's the point, though. Listen, she gets bit in the middle of her performance by a cobra, (laughs) A cobra. So maybe it would have been a good, a good idea to stop the performance and get some treatment. But she kept going because to her, the performance was more important. And a lot of times, that's what we do. We get bitten because we get too close to the snake. We get too close to sin. We get bitten. We get wounded. And the Holy Spirit comes and says, hey, maybe you should turn to the Lord right now. Maybe you should repent. Maybe you should go confess and tell somebody what you're doing. Maybe you should go ask for help. Maybe you should go to God and ask for his strength. And we say, I wanna keep going with my performance. I wanna keep going with the me show. If I stop right now to take some time to really self-reflect and turn to the Lord and ask for his help, then my whole world's gonna fall apart. I've gotta keep going. I've gotta keep doing my thing. And we do this all the time, and it really does lead to so many problems. I want to show you guys a video, another one, that's a basic explanation of what does the Holy Spirit do. So check this one out. The absolute basics of the Christian faith. Question 12, what does the Holy Spirit do? Now, the Spirit does lots and lots of different things. The Spirit teaches, the Spirit guides, the Spirit strengthens spirit comforts. As we said before, everything God does, God does as a trinity. So the spirit's involved in lots and lots of different stuff. But we want to focus in this section on salvation specifically as a way of understanding how the spirit works. The trinity is unified, but all the persons operate differently within any action of God. So Jesus opens up for us the way of salvation. He makes an offering to God the Father in our place so that we can be reconciled. And he defeats evil and death in his resurrection so that we can be rescued. As we're saved by the Father, we do so through the way Jesus has made, but we can only do so in the power of the Spirit. We get to have right relationship with God again because of what Jesus did, but we only get to participate in what Jesus did through the power of the Spirit. So we talked before about two key things for salvation, repenting 
and believing. Through waving the white flag of surrender and trusting in the rightful king, we have pardon and new life. Now, here's what's cool though. Even though it seems like repenting and believing are things that we just decide to do, the Bible says that it's actually the spirit working through us, giving us the power to repent and believe. It's the spirit that leads us to repent by convicting us of sin and then gives us the grace to be able to choose to trust God or not. The Father's the source, the Son is the way, the Spirit's the power. So it's the spirit that leads us to repent and the spirit that gives us new life in Christ. Here's an analogy of what this looks like. Let's say every now and then your teeth hurt a bit. Not too bad, just a twinge of pain every so often. When you drink something cold or drink something hot, it hurts. But then it goes away, so you ignore it. Then one day you have to go to the dentist because it's your time, and the dentist looks at your teeth and says, your teeth are riddled with cavities. We have to do some major drilling. Now, you don't want to have your teeth drilled. That's going to be terrible. You'd rather just put up with the occasional pain. So you protest. But the dentist shows you some x-rays of how bad your teeth are and tells you that if you don't get them fixed soon, you're going to be in for a lot more pain. And you might even lose some teeth, and that's going to be really bad. So finally, the hard truth sinks in. Even though your teeth don't hurt all the time, you realize that your teeth are all messed up. Now, the dentist has led you to a point where you realize you're in trouble. He's made the bad news sink in. He's brought you to a point of surrender. And so you finally get to that point and you say, fine, I give up, my teeth are terrible. But there's good news. And the good news is that the dentist also has the power to fix your teeth. And so he gets out the Novocaine and the drill and the filling material and he goes to work. And at the end of the day, you walk out of the dentist with teeth that don't have any cavities and don't hurt when you eat ice cream drink tea. The dentist had to get you to believe the bad news before he could help you to experience the good news. And this is like what the Spirit does. John 16, 7 and 8 says that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove us to be in the wrong. The Spirit helps us to realize that we're hopeless rebels deserving punishment. That's the bad news. But then the Spirit shows us the good news, that we can have new life in Christ. And the Spirit washes us and restores us. The Spirit gives us more than new teeth. He gives us new life and power to follow Jesus. Titus 3, 5 and 6 says this well. God saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of God's mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. We are saved by God, and the Spirit works in us to help us to turn away from our old life and have a new life. The Spirit's the power of God, not just working in the world, but in our lives as well. The Father above us, the Son beside us, the Spirit inside us. That's how the Trinity saves us. It's rad stuff. What do you guys think? Does that make sense? Yeah? Anybody? That one's a little less complex than the other one. I thought it was rad. So the spirit is kind of like the dentist who reminds us, hey, your teeth need a checkup and you've got some cavities. And we need to listen. He, he doesn't just comfort us. He doesn't just help us. A lot of times he convicts us. And sometimes we run from that. I want to challenge you guys. I want to encourage you. Listen to the Spirit. Open yourself up to the Spirit. Be willing to obey the Spirit. Like, if you feel like, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk with the Lord right now, but if you feel like you're kind of at a standstill, if you feel like maybe you're not moving forward, which means you're moving backwards because the Christian walk is always uphill, if you're not moving forward, you're backsliding. So if you feel that way, maybe it's because you're not really involving the Holy Spirit in your walk with Christ, which is like trying to run a car without gas. I've been there, even as an adult, even as a pastor. I've had 
weeks and days and even months sometimes where I haven't really been tapping into the Holy Spirit. So I want to challenge you guys, if you're here today, if you're making that mistake, simply just repent from that. You know, if I can share with you guys for a minute just about kind of the idea of what it means to be open to the Spirit, I think of it this way. Think of it as you're always listening and expecting and hoping. How many of you guys have a favorite band? Anybody? How many of you guys? Keep, okay, so keep your hands up if you've been to a show of one of your favorite bands. Anybody? A concert? Yeah? How many of you guys, when it comes to your favorite band, you, when, compared to all other bands, you're very aware of when like a new release comes out. You're like checking. You're checking Instagram. You're checking their website, Twitter, anybody? You know what I'm talking about? Like you're, you're constantly expecting and you're hoping. Brooklyn and I have a few bands like that. One is a boy band from the 90s called Hanson. Don't make fun of me. Well, you probably can't help it. Listen, when I married her, I didn't know what I was getting into. She said, I really like Hanson. I said, those blonde guys from the 90s. I went to a concert. I'm in love. They're great, okay? They grew up. They cut their long blonde hair. They're great guys. They're, they're amazing. And so I, I follow their Instagrams, and, like, I'm, I'm checking, and I'm waiting for new stuff to come out. Okay, for those of you guys who aren't band people, how many of you guys are in love? <laughs> Anybody? No one's going to raise their hand. But you, maybe you've got that crush, you know? And maybe, maybe you are constantly checking your crush's social media for new pictures. So you can go, oh, look at her. She's so cute. Or look at him. He's so nice. He's so manly. Oh, look at him. Maybe you're constantly checking your locker in hopes that maybe just one day they'll leave you a note. Just a note. It'd be so great. <laughs> Listen. This is what we need with the Holy Spirit, the same passion we show for our bands and our celebrities and our crushes, that expectation, he's got something to say to me. You show up to every Bible study, what does God have to say to me? You open up your Bible throughout the week and you say, what does God have to say to me? Your mom or your dad has one of those special moments where they say, hey, I was reading something in the Bible. Can I share it with you? And instead of rolling your eyes and going, oh, mom, you're so lame, you're saying, what does God have to say to me through my mom? Whoa. I'm serious. I'm serious. Dude, God put your parents in your life for a reason. And if you're not open to the fact that God could speak to you through them, you're missing out. Let me tell you. For me, I'm constantly trying to go to the Lord in prayer and say, what do you have to say? I'm constantly turning to my Bible. Now, I'll be the first to admit, I have never been the guy who has a routine with the Bible. I just don't. I'm not that guy. I don't get up at 6 a.m. every morning and read my Bible. But throughout nearly every day now, I'm finding moments and time to spend with God and his word. I'm turning to the Bible. And for me, that system works great, where it's not like every day it has to be 6 a.m., but it's like, hey, today it's going to be at 11 p.m., and tomorrow it's going to be 3 p.m. on my lunch break. Why am I taking lunch at 3? I don't know. <laughs> but I do sometimes. But just taking those times to spend with the Lord and say, what do you have to say to me? Do you guys realize this? And this isn't like a guilt trip. This is just like a reality check, okay? There's some countries like China right now. China persecuted church. They're, it's like the underground church over there. Did you know 
that they sit around and they wait for even one missionary to send them one page ripped out of a Bible. And like the whole, it's like a church of 20 people underground, they're hiding from their government because their government's trying to shut down their church. So they're in a room like this and someone comes in, I got a page of Leviticus. And everyone's like, yeah, Leviticus. Let's, you know what I mean? We're like, oh, Leviticus. If, if I came out, if I came out and I was like, we're gonna do a, we're gonna do a two week series on Leviticus, I can guarantee half of you guys wouldn't show up next week. <laughs> at all, okay, like, man, like, do you guys realize that you, I don't know if any of you guys do podcasts, but, like, on your phone, you have an app called Podcast. It, like, comes with your phone. You can subscribe to amazing Bible teachers from, like, Calvary Chapel, from other places. Like, there are so many good people. I've got like 30 of them I'm subscribed to. And just throughout the week when I'm driving, I put them on and I just let God's word speak to me. We're so lucky that we get to go to church twice a week and hear Bible studies. We're so lucky that we have podcasts and apps, devotional apps that we can pull open and get a little nugget of truth when there's people around the world who are dying for this stuff. It's crazy. There's books there's music. There's so much better Christian music today than there was in the 90s. Were you guys here when I was playing that Audio Adrenaline uh, song? It's a big, big house with lots and lots of room. That one? <laughs> it's my father's house. <laughs> like, that was so lame. We have like, like, I'm sorry if you like that song, okay? Listen, nowadays, we have like deeply theologically rich songs set to like amazing beats and it's like just we have we have great christian music out there if you like are like all christian music is lame talk to me i will show you great stuff that'll blow your mind um for me and i listen to all music man i listen to all different times i listen to all music except country and rap not because I think rap is bad. Rap is fine, you know? It depends on what rap you're listening to. Country is of the devil. Country is satanic. So I don't do that. I've, I have a firm conviction in my heart. <laughs> I've prayed about it. <laughs> I've repented. Um, okay, but listen, listen. Here's what I'm saying, though. Like, like yeah, listen to, listen to different types of music. Don't listen to music that stumbles you or other people. But you know what I mean? Like, listen, you can listen to secular music, but, but if you don't have any Jesus, Christocentric music in your library, get some in there and put it on. It affects your heart. It, it does something to your soul when you hear the words of Jesus through songs. It's like the book of Psalms. A song is a prayer set to music. Like, that's, it's so good. There's YouTubers out there that are all about Jesus that you can subscribe to. Like, there's so many ways. We have no excuse. If we're like, I just don't have time to spend with the Lord. I just don't have time to, like, put anything in front of me that connects me to the heart of God. We have no excuse. We have more access to things than anyone else in the history of the universe right now. If you showed Peter and Paul what you had access to, their faces would explode off their bodies. Okay? And you might be like, well, I don't want to be... I don't want to be like a Jesus freak, you know? What will, what will people do if they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? Listen, this is what our life is about. If, you're not on, if you haven't realized that yet, for us as Christians, that this is what our life is about, man, get on that train. Get on it, okay? We are about Jesus. God has so much in store for you. 
And seriously, some of you guys, Jesus has like a million dollars worth of his goodness for you, and you're like, I'll just take 350, just $3.50 of your love and goodness and grace, Jesus. Thank you. That's all I need. No, no, come on, okay? So moving on from that. Here is something else. Oh, man, my notes have locked up. Just distract yourself for a second. You'll be fine. Here we go. All right, bring it back. Bring it back. All right. So, Jesus doesn't want your likes from a distance. He doesn't want you sitting around saying that you like the things that he says on Instagram. He wants you up close. He wants you following him nearly. He's a good father, and he wants us following close. You know, if we follow close to Jesus, if we tap into the Holy Spirit, because remember, the Holy Spirit is our direct link to God. It's our direct link to Jesus and to God. So if you turn to the Holy Spirit, if you constantly are praying and you're saying, Lord, Jesus, use your Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me with you. Give me your heart. Give me your love. Give me your joy. Give you your peace. You'll be filled. And so many times we miss out. Um, you know, recently I went to a camp up in Big Tajunga was the name of it. Uh, I went to go speak at a camp, and it, it was literally like 20 degrees hotter than it is down here. It was gnarly. It, it wasn't up in the mountains. It was like down in a valley. They were a great group of kids. They were different than, than you guys. They are really different than you guys. Because uh, like during, during worship, they were like standing up, spinning around in circles, doing hand motions, and, and they're like high schoolers. And I, I was like, these guys are different. <laughs> but I like them. And they're really sweet. They're sweet kids, smart kids. But they, they were like in it to win it with worship. It was rad. Um, there was this one part of the song where it was saying, Lord, we raise our hands to you. And one of the high school seniors grabbed uh, one of the freshmen and like started raising him up like Simba. <laughs> it was great. But as I was driving to Big Tajunga, um, before I left, my wife told me, she said, Aaron, I just think you need a fresh filling of the gas in your car. <laughs> I think you just need... <laughs> Did you see what I did there? Like, Holy Spirit. Okay, I think you need to fill up your gas tank. And I was like, yeah, I will. And then I didn't. And I already was low, so I drove up to Big Tajunga. And then on the way back, on the way back, I start driving home. And I realize I'm out of gas. And I've been driving for an hour. So I roll up to the gas station, and then I realize I left my wallet up at the camp. Yeah. Literally for like an hour, I was sitting in my car, and people would roll up to the, the 7-Eleven, and I'd roll down my window, and I'd be like, please, sir, do you have any change? Like, I was that guy. Man, people were giving me the dirtiest looks. Like, it was, I was like, I just need, I just need $10. I just need $10. And like, they gave, they were like, here's like 50 cents. Get a job. You know, like, it was... It was gnarly. I felt, I felt like such an outcast. I felt like a reprobate. Like, I felt like, like I did something wrong. That's how people were looking at me. Like, I was the most irresponsible. You left your, you know what? You deserve to die here at this gas station. Like, that's the vibes I was getting from people. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> yeah, listen to your wife, punk. Even though I didn't tell them that part of the story, they, they just, they knew somehow. Okay, listen, listen. Just like my wife told me to refill the gas, the Holy Spirit is constantly saying, listen, listen, the Holy Spirit's constantly saying, get a fresh filling. Because the Holy Spirit is something for us as Christians, even though we always have it, our capacity of it tends to run out at times. You go to a camp, you get all filled up with the Spirit. But you know what? Every day you're living your life, you start to chip away at that. Because there's two reasons. There's two reasons that sometimes we lose the Spirit. One is we're sinning. <laughs> we're just messing up everywhere. We're like poking holes in ourselves, and the Spirit's just leaking out everywhere because we're letting in that flesh. But another reason, too, is sometimes it's because we're doing good things. We're serving, we're pouring out, we're loving people, we're helping our mom with the chores, we're loving our little brothers and sisters, we're respecting our parents, we're doing our homework, we're like all these things, and like, we're like leaking, you know what I mean? Like we're just, we're doing so well, but it's tiring, it's exhausting, and so we, we start to run out of that spiritual gas, and the Holy Spirit's constantly saying, fresh filling, Come to me. You know what? I just thought of this now. This isn't like biblical. This isn't like in the Bible anywhere. Like you have to do this. This is just a suggestion. I'm going to try this. Maybe you should too. Maybe pick a day of the week, a set day of the week, where you're like, okay, Fridays is the day where I take like 15 minutes to get on my knees and ask God for a fresh filling of his spirit. I dare you to try it. I'm going to try it, but let's, let's do that and let's see what happens. Let's take one day a week just a few minutes to get before the Lord, confess our sins, ask for help, and say, give me a fresh filling. I wonder if that would make a difference. I don't know yet, but I'm gonna try. And then I'll get back to you and I'll let you know how it's going and maybe you can tell me how it's going. So, let's look at, oh, I didn't mean to cue that, but let's talk about that. Um, I'm not trying to be Rhett and Link, but let's talk about that. So, there's this awesome dad who's an inventor who made this for his kids. This is a hovercraft. That's so rad. No wheels. Like, it's, it's literally hovering above the ground. That's a good father. He loves his kids. Like, can, can we, let's give a hand for this dad. Yeah. He's not here. He can't hear you. He can't hear you. He's not in the room. Listen, God is a great father. Look at that kid. How happy is that kid? How many of you want to be that kid on that hoverboard right now? Anybody? I want to be that kid. God is a good father, and he looks at you and he says, I want to bless you by the Spirit. I want to give you good things. It's not a prosperity gospel like, oh, yeah, God wants to fill your garage with three Lamborghinis and PlayStation 7s. Those haven't even been invented yet. I know. No, God wants to bless us with the blessings of the heart. And sometimes even physical blessings, for sure. I've been physically blessed. Like, I don't mean like in my stature, not at all. Um, I mean, look at me. But um, I've been physically blessed in the sense that I have an amazing wife. I have an awesome house. I finally got rid of my Toyota Corolla. Yeah. Now I drive Brooklyn's grandma car, and I love it. It has working air conditioning. It has a tape deck where I can plug in my iPhone to like, man, I am hashtag blessed, okay? Listen, the Holy Spirit wants to bless you. 
If you're struggling, if you're weary, if you're tired today, God's a good, good father, and he wants to bless you. He wants to make you as happy and blessed and stoked on the inside as this kid is on the outside. And that can only come not through physical possessions, not through having the most stuff, not by having the most money. The real joy and the real happiness that you will find only comes from the Spirit of God in your heart. You know, sometimes, sometimes there is this war between the two spirits. Recently, I was down uh, with some of you guys at the skate park, and we were trying to talk to these skaters. And I was talking to this one guy, really cool guy, just like long blonde hair, like cool glasses, like just total skater dude. He's kind of Christian's height, just really rad guy. And uh, really cool dude. And, and you know what? I'm talking to him about Jesus, and I can totally see that like the lights are turning on in his head, and he's listening. And I'm, I'm talking about sin, and I'm talking about what Jesus did on the cross. And I'm trying to get to like the part where like I explain how to get saved. And right before I can get to that point, his friend comes over, and his friend's like, hey, bro, um, I need you to help me get something out of my car. And he's like, all right. The dude was totally lying. Like He just wanted to get his friend away from me. Because he's like, I don't want this guy talk, talking to my friend about God. In fact, earlier when I started talking to this dude about God, uh, that dude who came over, he looked over and he's like, hey, is that guy trying to talk to you about God? And the guy I was talking to was like, yeah, 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 like, we're fine, leave us alone. But his friend comes over and just snatches him away before I can really, really get to the good stuff about Jesus. I was bummed. But you know what? The Holy Spirit spoke to me in my heart and said, you did what you could, now let me take care of the rest. And I'm confident that the Holy Spirit is so much more powerful than me that it can take the seed that I planted, the little bit I was able to say to that guy, and the Spirit can grow in his heart, and that guy can get saved. And I'm so confident in that. We need to have a confidence in the Spirit. So as we wrap this up, um, in John 14, oh, sorry, that's cut off. Okay, so in John 14, 30 through 31, Jesus is saying, Listen, guys, I'm not going to say much more to you, for the prince of this world, not his world, but the prince of this world is coming, but he has no hold over me. Listen, I love this verse. He's talking about the prince of this world. He's not talking about Prince Eric. He's not talking about uh, Aladdin or any of the other Disney princes. He's talking about Hasatan. He's talking about the enemy. And Jesus calls him the ruler of this world. He acknowledges his power. He says, listen, guys, Satan, the prince of this world, the ruler of this world, the one who has the power in this world is coming. And I'm sure that struck fear into the disciples. Can you imagine if I showed up and I was like, hey, guys, I'm not going to say much more because Satan's coming. <laughs> How would you feel? <laughs> would you be, like, worried? I'm like, yeah, I gotta, we got to cut this short because Satan's going to show up right now. Like, you'd be freaking out. But then he says the great words, he has no hold over me. How awesome is that? That the spirit of God cannot be held down by Satan, the enemy. He says he has no hold on me. Jesus isn't just being optimistic like this overly optimistic dog who's stuck and just happy. No, Jesus, sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't help. I couldn't resist putting that in. Jesus is so much more powerful Jesus knows that his father is greater. 
Jesus knows that his father is greater than any challenge we can face. And as we close, we need to realize that because the Holy Spirit is in us, we have a power in us that is greater than the enemy. That's encouraging. That's encouraging. Because Satan a lot of times seems to have such a hold on this world. I look, at all, I look out and I look at all the violence and horribleness and, and evil and just things that are going on in our world that are terrible. Like if you've watched the news at all lately over the past month, it's been gnarly lately. And you know what? Even though that stuff's in the news, the reality is that kind of violence and, the, and murder and, and persecution and even Christians around the world being put to death, that kind of stuff happens every day all over the world. And we just don't see it a lot because we're sheltered from it. So that gets, that gets depressing sometimes until I remember that God's power is stronger. He's greater. He defeated death. He defeated sin. And he's coming back. And right now, we're not called to just wait and go, Jesus is coming back, but right now things are so bad and I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know what we're gonna do. No, we're called to live in victory because the war is already won. And so for you, you can look at all the terrible things in the world and you can say, you know what? The answer is Jesus and he's in my heart and I'm gonna reach out to the people who are hurting in this world and I'm gonna give them Jesus because that's what they need more than anything. We're gonna look at a fascinating verse before we close and I hope this stokes you guys, this verse. I hope you get stoked on this. Oh, man, if you, if you can't read it in your Bibles, look at it on the screen. It's cut off. But Jesus says in verse 31, this is in the Good News translation. It words it a little bit differently, but it opened up something that to me I thought was great. Oh, wait, no, 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 sorry. This is the NIV, New International Translation. I'm just going to read the whole passage. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, verse 31, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. That blew my mind. I don't know if that blows your mind. Check this out. It's brilliant. He says, he's talking about Satan, Hasatan. So he says, hey, check it out. We gotta be careful because Satan's coming. He's coming to kill me. But then he says this. He says, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Do you think that's what Satan thought he was doing? Do you think that's what Satan thought he was coming for? No, what did Satan think he was coming for? To beat Jesus, to literally condemn us all to hell and squash God's plan. That's what Satan thought he was doing, but Jesus re redefines his purpose. Jesus looks at Satan, Satan's charging, he's coming with this purpose to destroy, and Jesus is like, no, 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 that's not why you're coming, Satan. You're coming so that everyone can see my power. You're coming so that everyone can see how much I love the Father. You're coming so that people can see me. He just completely redefines his dark purpose to a good one. That's great, and we see Jesus do that all the time. We see Daniel in the Bible thrown into the lion's den. What was the purpose of that? To to kill Daniel, right? Right? You know what God says? No, 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 Daniel. Your purpose for going into the lion's den is so that you can show what true faith in God's Holy Spirit looks like so that when you get out of the pit, everyone in the kingdom will turn to God. He redefines the evil for good. Think of the story of Joseph. Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery. What was their purpose? What did they want to do? What were they trying to accomplish? To kill him, to get rid of him, to get him out of their life. God says, no, 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 I redefine your purpose. 
Joseph is going to now be sold into slavery so that he can be the best slave and then the best prisoner and then like the vice president of Egypt and save Egypt from a famine. Guys, this is great. This is awesome. In your life, Satan is constantly coming to you and saying, you're in trouble now because this happened to you and you were hurt this way and you were let down in this way and so you're worthless and you're terrible and you should just give up and you should just give in and you should just sin and he has a purpose for you that is destruction and God says, no, 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 I redefine your purpose. You're beloved, you're loved, you're precious, you're valuable, you think you're weak but Jesus says you are strong he loves you. And though we are sinners, Jesus redefined our purpose that we could live for him and love others and bring others to Christ. So let's pray that God's Holy Spirit would help us do that today. Lord, we love you. We ask God that you would fill our hearts, that you would bless us with your spirit. God, we thank you for the gift of your spirit. I pray that you would be strong in us when we are weak. I pray, Lord, that we would take a time weekly, if not daily, to go to you and ask for the help of your spirit. We need your spirit. Your spirit isn't some mystical force. It's a person, and it loves us. Holy Spirit, we love you. We love you, Holy Spirit, and we're so thankful for your spirit. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here anytime. We ask like the song said, even as we leave today, flood this place and fill the atmosphere. God, I pray that as we leave this little room today that you would fill us with your spirit so that people, when they talk to us, when they see us, when they interact with us, whether it's on social media or in person, that they would not just see us, but that they would see Jesus Christ. We love you. We thank you. In your name, amen.